Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the I'll Stick to Burritos, They Can Have That edition. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of a better alternative to burritos, so <laughs> I will stick to the burritos. Stick to yep. the burritos, I yes. 100% <laughs> agree with this statement. Amazing. Yes. Today is episode 082, Cannibalism and Feeding on Corpses. Just a few things happening in our oceans. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, we are going in that direction. Sure are. Didn't see that one coming. I should have. <laughs> I should have. We haven't talked about cannibalism in a minute. It's been a while. It, you know, we're due. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. In the ocean with cannibalism. <laughs> That's right. Amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Only on this show. Only on this show. <laughs> Uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the uh, just, well, non-cannibal Marissa Riley. Thank you. Um, yes, currently <laughs> non-cannibal, but you never know what the future holds. True. If we go through a zombie apocalypse, we might have to eat each other. It's true. Um, so. It's not off the bingo card. It's not off <laughs> it's not, the bingo card. No, it's not. It's one, it 100% might be something we have to do. Yeah. So get comfortable with it. <laughs> That's like later this year yeah Who knows? Who yeah knows? You it know? could be sooner than we think yeah uh if this, <laughs> if this is your first time listening welcome to the flop welcome uh dr riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time just like you it's true i had no idea what we were going to talk about <laughs> and now that i do have an idea i am sweating and honestly excited i love oh. cannibalism it's a, always a good time <laughs> It might be a little one-sided, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like to, to, you know, hear stories about it mm. and uh, not be anywhere close to it. It's okay. like spiders. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're not going to be anywhere near the cannibalism or the feeding on corpses. Thank so. God. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. It's non-human related. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but before we literally dive into some fascinating <laughs> and kind of disturbing discoveries about what's happening between sea creatures as we speak, first, we're going to take a bit of a detour and focus on the sky for a minute. Oh, okay. Uh, and this is thanks to a member of the flock. Ah, I love I know, our flock. We I have know. the best flock. <laughs> if you're a longtime listener, you've heard this name before. She's fucking awesome and a dynamite contributor. I'm talking about... Uh, Lauren Nayert. I love Lauren Nayert. <laughs> what a hero. I am obsessed with you, Lauren. Yes. Back in the day, Lauren DM'd us on Instagram about a real-life superhero slash grown man dressed as a ninja who tries to fight crime in Arkansas but doesn't own a car so he walks to the crime. That's right. I, <laughs> how could I forget? <laughs> Called Shadow Vision. Good times. We covered that dude. And yes, we've got another gem. Thanks to Lauren. Big thanks. Huge for sending this in. Big thanks. So I don't even know what it is, but I'm already pumped. I know. I had a pause. Today is March 23rd. Okay. And it just so happens to be National Near Miss Day. What? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? National Near Miss Day. Yeah. Move over Christmas. Step aside, Hanukkah. <laughs> Talk to Marissa. We need to tell we need to tell the good folks out there about this glorious holiday. So please, would you like to take turns reading from our rock solid source, nationaltoday.com? Nothing would make me happier than to read from <laughs> nationaltoday.com. <laughs> That's right about near miss day. Let's yes, do it. Near miss day. Let's talk about it. Quotes. 
Oh no, this is a little it's weird. A big word. word. Okay, okay, I'm gonna sound it out. Uh, also, Jill wrote it phonetically. What a hero. <laughs> um, Asclepius. Asclepius nailed it. All right, quote: Asclepius <laughs> is an asteroid with a diameter of 0.4 kilometers. Comparable to the size of a football field. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Um, on March 22nd, 1989, the year I was born, Asclepius passed by the Earth at a distance of almost 500,000 miles. However, scientists only discovered this after nine days. End quote. <laughs> yep. That's alarming. That's like yes. learning that you were just hit by a car, mm. like... Nine days later, <laughs> except instead of a car, it's um, mm. a fucking asteroid the size of a football field. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops. They uh, they saw it nine days later. <laughs> now, just pivoting away from the website for a moment because I want to put that distance into perspective. Okay, five hundred thousand miles seems like that's far away as fuck. Not in space. <laughs> no, see? in space numbers are so different. Yes. Yeah, like, for example, my friends, the moon is only 240,000 miles away. And that's not far. No. You see it all the time. It's right there. It's very big. It's right because there. Because it's close. That's right. That's 240,000 miles away. Asclepius was just a little double than that. So that's very, very close. That's so close. Yeah, that's so close. Did anyone see it? <laughs> Nine days later. Ah! <laughs> it passed by. Anyway, so I know what you're thinking. What would happen if Earth was in its trajectory and it hit? It's a great question. We should read on. Excellent. Um, quote, many geophysicists believe that the collision of Asclepius with the Earth would have wreaked havoc, resulting in the, re resulting in the release of energy comparable to 600 megaton atomic bombs. <laughs> That's, I mean, whew. 600 I, megatons. 600. Yeah. Luckily, I wasn't born yet. So, I wouldn't have been there. And as an only child, that means this is not applicable to me. Just kidding. This sounds horrifying. Sounds horrifying. Uh, continuing with the quote, the reason this day has great importance is that the earth nearly escaped from an apocalypse. From an apocalypse. Sorry. <clears throat> we all got a second chance at life. We did. Please continue, Dr. Marissa. I would love to continue. <laughs> All right, quote, This event changed our perspective on cosmic influences and made us realize that humankind has absolutely no control over the universe. That's right. Great. <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, since that day, there have been advanced changes in space programs. Mm. End quote. I like how they said we have no control over anything, but we're still going to Try. We're going to try our hardest. Yep. We're going <laughs> to advance the space programs. So at least we'll we'll know when we're yeah, about to die. Exactly. We're going to see it coming. So what would good. we have done, though? <laughs> what would we have done? I, I don't know. Yeah. So that's a really good question. So I gave the question, uh, who watches for asteroids at Google? Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out it's the NNSA. Okay. Or the National Nuclear Security Administration. All right. Which was formed not too long ago, just in 2000, in the year 2000. That's embarrassing. <laughs> so We've had many asteroids around <laughs> before that. Yeah, and uh, they have the stressful responsibility of, quote, planetary defense. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> <laughs> or detecting and mitigating impact threats from potentially hazardous near-Earth objects such as asteroids and comets. 
end quote. And that is from energy.gov. Not, I mean, not to bring up Marvel here. Um, <laughs> not to bring up Marvel right now, uh, but I am. Uh, yeah. As Tony Stark said, uh, we should have built a shield around the arc. Ah. I don't know if that's the exact quote, so if you're a huge fan, um, I'm so <laughs> sorry. But he did say something to that something effect. Like that. Mm-hmm. And I think about it all the time. Yeah. It would be annoying, but yeah. <laughs> we would have avoided Thanos yeah. and this asteroid. That's right. It's well, obvious. actually, we did avoid the yeah, asteroid. That just by chance. Yeah. By chance. But yeah, if it had been closer, there you go. We could have had a shield. <laughs> so, we could have had control. Okay. 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 I'm fine. <laughs> right, Back so, to the pod. So I hope they're on it. Uh, but honestly, at the end of every day, we should say, Happy near miss day, if you think about it. Honestly, <laughs> in this day and age. Yeah. Happy yeah. near miss day, everyone. Happy near miss day, Jill. <laughs> yes. We made we it. We made it. <laughs> Jinx. Uh, and again, huge impact size thank you to Lauren for sending this holiday to us via Instagram. Oh, Lauren, Holy you're shit. a hero. Just thank amazing. you. Amazing. Uh, and y'all, if any member of the flock out there has something they think is interesting, just send it this way. Email us or message us. Uh, details are in the show notes where you could reach us. We will read it and yeah. we will be obsessed with it. Yes. And we will thank you and send you a cute message. Yeah, exactly. I will smush it into my notes and make it. I will try to make it as transitional as possible. Like, a, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. And I will. <laughs> You're having trouble. <laughs> I will make it about me or Marvel or both. Um, yeah. All right. Let's make a hard right turn. Let's from do the, it. <laughs> from the skies to our oceans. Uh, yeah. Here's another scary p- place. I mean, honestly, my friends, for a lot of people, our oceans are scary. Yeah. But okay. Question before we go on. What do you think is scarier? Mm. Deep sea or space? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. God, you know, I think we are going to cover this in a few weeks. Okay. So I can save that question. (laughs) I'm going to say space. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible death, but also so is the bottom of the ocean. That's true. Honestly, neither are you. It really sucks. It really Equal opposites suck. Yeah. Put it on a tote. Put it on a tote. <laughs> Listeners, if you have any thoughts on this, yeah. right into us. Where would you where would you rather implode? Space or the ocean? <laughs> I team space or explode. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Team space. Mm. Jill, you can represent team both. Uh, <laughs> I know too much and too little to make a decision. That's fair. <laughs> that is totally fair. That is totally fair. Anyways, oh, back to the ocean. All right. So the oceans, they're deep, they're dark, they're filled with creatures seemingly frozen in a time when humans weren't even a possibility. Yeah. Just full of ancient things. But here's some good news. Uh, we don't live there. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> and we don't have to experience, from our viewpoint, the cutthroat, violent, unforgiving behavior it takes to survive in that environment. And we don't have to feast on rotting corpses either. Well, not yet, anyway. Yeah, we just feast on um, Hmm. corpses that come from seamless. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was dark, man. That was dark. We do. It's yeah, animals. Yeah. If you yes. think about it. Yes. I ate one today. It was a turkey. <laughs> turkey had it coming. No, yep. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was dark. That was dark. <laughs> I'm sorry, keep derailing us. Back to the ocean. Let's do it. Today we have two stories about two creatures that, from a distance, look adorable. Oh. Seemingly harmless. Okay. Maybe even a bit boring. Oh. But recent discoveries about them both will make you think twice and say, what the fuck? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh, no. I know. Are you ready? I mean, yeah. All right. To begin, <laughs> <laughs> let's head on down to the poppin' town of Williamsburg, Virginia. Fuck yeah. <laughs> right. Good times. I'm kidding. If you're from Williamsburg, I, I bet it's really nice. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, a few things about Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, it's old as fuck yeah. in terms of the United States. Yes. It was the capital of the Virginia colony back in 1699. Yep. Jesus. It was. And <laughs> you seem very sure. No, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And, quote, at its heart is Colonial Williamsburg. I've heard of it. Yeah. An historic district and living history museum where actors in period costume depict daily colonial life in the streets, stores, and workshops. End quote. From our friend Google. Sounds like something to do. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it's something to do, but we're not here to do problematic cosplay. No. (laughs) No. We're at the William and Mary University, which also calls Williamsburg, Virginia home. And we're here with two researchers, John Allen, associate professor in William and Mary's Department of Biology. Amazing. And Karina Broco-French. Whoa, what a name. I know. Well done, Karina. Powerful name. Yes. Broco-French, who is a PhD student at the University of California, Irvine. Uh, She graduated from William and Mary in 2016. She's back and she's hanging with John in the Marine Invertebrate Lab. Fun. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Fun. No, it actually, I bet it's, it sounds fun. It sounds fun. Yeah. Bunch of tanks. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're looking at a tank filled with juvenile Forbes's sea stars. Oh. That's right. And some good old fashioned crabs. Yeah. Now, before we get into what a Forbes's sea star is okay. and what it looks like, etc., Dr. Marissa, please tell us what was their initial study okay. and what bonkers event took place between the sea stars before anything could even start. I would love to talk about it. All right. John Allen told Joseph McLean of WM.edu, quote, we were going to be culturing these juveniles to look at their reaction to predatory crabs and whether the sea stars change their behavior in response to predator cues from the crabs. But they all started eating each other before we even introduced the crabs. So we had to scrap the experiment. End quote. The article, you didn't see this on SpongeBob. Wow. Cannibal sea star babies, where the quote is from, went on to say, quote, uh, the researchers then turned their attention to the more interesting phenomenon of sea star cannibalism, a behavior that, for the most part, had escaped notice among the scientific community, end quote. Mm-hmm. Sea star cannibalism. Yeah. I, I am obsessed. That's right. Sea stars, I, man. Sea stars. They're yeah. so cute. Yeah. And but they're not. No, no, no. They're extraordinarily violent and we'll get into it. I'm also just trying to picture this, like what do they eat mm. first? Ah. Do they start 
on the point mm. or do they mount? Ah. And um, it, yeah, I'm just having a hard time with the mechanics. Ah. Ah. That's awesome you brought that up because we are going to talk about it. And Amazing. it's disturbing. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, my friends, these teenage sea stars gave no fucks and turned on each other even before a predator was in the room. Well done. So before we get into why this happened and how sea stars eat, like you said, it's right. a doozy. Let's get acquainted with the Forbes's sea star. It sounds very rich. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, it's imagination time. Okay. Please close your eyes. All right. Especially if you're driving. Wonderful. Uh, and imagine a starfish. Okay. Or a sea star. You got it. This right in your mind. I and see it. There you have it. You pretty much have an idea of what they look like. They're fucking classic. Yeah. Now, picture a few of these beauties lined up along the beaches of the east coast of the United States. Okay. And voila, that's where they inhabit. Easy. East Coast. I see them. Yeah. Now, specifically, they're about four to nine inches in diameter when they're fully grown. But my friends, it's the time before they become adults. Well, that's why we're here today. It's a fucking journey. Yeah. Yeah. Teenagers. Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, Dr. Marissa. Please tell us what Katrina Broco French told WMEDU about our hungry friends, the Forbes' sea star. Uh, nothing would make me happier. Let's talk about it. All right, quote, they start out as adults on the seafloor and they look like what you would expect a starfish to look like. After they spawn, those little embryos end up flying through the water, if you will, during a larval stage where they look like Weird little spaceships. That's great. awesome. Um, the weird little spaceship stage <laughs> lasts around a month before they metamorphose into juveniles settling onto the sea floor. End quote. John Allen noted the juveniles are essentially pinhead-sized, star-shaped versions of their parents. End quote. So... They fly around mm-hmm. in this little spaceship stage, which is my favorite thing in the world. Adorable. Amazing. And then they uh, essentially turn into teeny tiny um, sea stars. That's right. At, at the bottom of yep. They, on the ocean floor. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Those descriptions are fucking great. Yes. But I also have a few pictures as well. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Yes, Dr. Marissa. I Sounds like you want to see these adorable I really do. juveniles. Uh, They're a sight to behold. Now, of course, all photos we talk about will be on our social media stuffs. So please come on by and look at these adorable monsters. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it. Now, the first one is a sea star just a few days after its initial metamorphosis. It's a very young juvenile. Okay, let's do it. Oh, it's very cute. Isn't um, it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's this tiny, puffy little star. It looks like a teenage version of... Um, a sea star. Yeah. It's just really small. It's got like five little nubs instead yep. of points. And it's got little, um, like little, uh, like hairs coming out, like yeah. little, uh, whatever the little things mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a goldish color and it almost looks transparent. It just looks really small. Yeah. It is incredibly small. Yeah. And just for scale, here's, I'm going to show you another one. This one is a little older and it's resting on an adult which is somewhere between four to nine inches in diameter. So okay. this is, um, look how tiny. Oh my God. 
Oh my god. So it looks just like a grown-up sea star, except it's just so tiny, and you can tell because it's like on top of one of the adult sea stars, like which is not very big. arms. Yeah, I don't know what to call them. Yeah, arms. Arms. You got it's it. on one of the arms, and it's just tiny. Yeah. It's just tiny. It's so. <laughs> Look at the damn great. photo. <laughs> it's really uh, guys, y'all. <laughs> They're painfully adorable. And vicious opportunists. Let's yeah. get into it. My friends, when these creatures are floating out in the ocean as larvae, they're chomping down on unicellular algae. Delicious. Mm. And getting a little bigger with each unicellular meal. Eventually, they're large enough to settle down to continue on to their next phase. Okay. But I got to say, honestly, that's all up to chance. To quote John Allen, when the spaceship lands, juveniles already present on the sea floor eat the larvae. That's mean. I yeah. mean, it's so <laughs> mean. Don't do that. <laughs> Give them a, a shot. It's, it's kind of rude. Yeah. Now, this older, bigger kid eating the younger, smaller kid cannibalism has been documented before. Okay. Uh, what was new to these researchers were juveniles of practically the same size going at each other and just how soon after transforming into juveniles, too. It was really just shocking and just there was just cannibalism everywhere. Cannibalism everywhere. Yeah. yeah. What a yes. scary thing to say. Yes. Jill. Wow. I was also using my hands to emphasize it too. Yeah, but like it, claw hands yeah. and like, but vigorously shaking them. And I was mm. like, oh my God, this is nerve wracking. So Dr. Marissa, I thought we could tag team report on just how early dinner starts for them and how bonkers the sea star eating process is. I am so down. All right, let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay, I'm going to start us off. Quote, Alan and Broca French recorded cannibalism among the sea stars as early as four days post-metamorphosis. I'm convinced that if they could, they would eat each other uh, during the little spaceship phase, Broco French said. But unfortunately, I don't think they have the ability to do that until they turn into little bitty sea stars. Speaking, <laughs> Speaking well, of which, the juveniles are so much bigger than the larvae that this form of cannibalism was not surprising. Yeah. But when juvenile eats juvenile action occurs, a sea star is taking on a meal roughly the, si- the same size as itself. Oh my God, pause. Yeah. Just imagine that. For a second. Yes. Like if you ate something you sized. Exactly. Like if you ate like uh why can I only think of a rack of lamb? <laughs> That's the only Go food for it. I can think about right now. Go for uh, it. Imagine like a, a rotisserie chicken, but you sized. Yes. And then you ate it. Mm-hmm. You'd be so sick. That is wild. <laughs> and triumphant. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, continuing, Broco French explains that sea stars feed in a manner that is totally different from how it's depicted on SpongeBob SquarePants. Yep. Take it away, doctor. I absolutely will. Continuing the quote, they extrude their stomachs kind of like turning inside out like a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. That is so scary. And then they sort of engulf whatever it is they're trying to eat to uh, start to break it down and then absorb the broken down stuff so they don't need teeth or anything. They've got it covered, end quote. That is horrifying. (laughs) Can you imagine if something turned inside out, Mm -hmm. broke you down, and then absorbed you? Yeah. 
Sounds like space, doesn't it? It sounds, <laughs> it, you know what? I'm on team both. <laughs> both space and the ocean are the same amount of scary. It's just... It cannot be, we need to stop the debate now and stay where we are. Right. Stay inside. There you go. Put it on a tote. Yep. <laughs> stay inside. Uh, Alan adds that a sea star has multiple stomachs. Amazing. The one Broco French describes is known as the cardiac stomach. Okay. Quote, <laughs> instead of putting their food in their mouth, they slide their stomach out of their mouth and onto their food, he said. End quote. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. You, so No, I, I understand. <laughs> um, no, I understand. Uh-huh. Um, mm. Yeah. You're just, you're just literally absorbing that. I, I'm putting your stomach on that thought. I'm putting my stomach on and that thought. And you're taking it in. And I'm taking it in. <laughs> not even through my mouth. Just... No. Wow. Okay, tell me more. Yeah. Um, just like you said, imagine walking up to someone about your size, pulling out your stomach and smothering them with it until they break apart and you absorb all the things. Yep. That's what's happening mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. So I know what else you're thinking. Why? Oh, I hadn't <laughs> even reached that. Yeah, but yeah, why? Why can't why? they just eat other algae and yeah. crap with what? a mouth like a normal person? <laughs> like a normal person. Why eat each other? Life is hard enough as it is. Yeah. Well, according to Alan, eating your siblings gives you an edge. Okay. Uh, you're fed and end up with less competition. That's actually really smart. I know. My I friend, get it. Yeah. My friends, get this. If you're a sea star, you have a lot of competition. Female Forbes' stars produce 5 to 10 million eggs each year. I see. So there, there's just a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. losing a couple. It's so hard to think about. Yes. That's really... We're, that was we're, hard, man. We're broaching a lot of yeah. really tough ethical <laughs> topics yes. when it comes to these sea stars. I will say, <laughs> if I could absorb my like competitors in like mm. fields and uh, have them both yeah. go away and be like fed. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft does it all the time. Facebook. There you go. <laughs> it's not as abnormal as you'd think. Yeah, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. More abstractly, I guess. Yeah. So, since we're on the topic of cannibalism, uh-huh. if you're wondering, <laughs> if you're wondering how common it is, Dr. Marissa, would you like to take a guess on how many species partake in the practice of cannibalism? Okay, I did. Damn it! <laughs> I can't ignore I, that number. I can't have any other number. Can I say the number? Go ahead. Okay, it's thirteen hundred. Um, yeah, thirteen hundred species. I cheated. I'm so sorry. Um, that's okay. I forgot to put the spaces when I, it's, I usually, I usually indent quite a bit. Yeah, like half a page. So Dr. Marissa here doesn't uh, ruin this surprise. <laughs> it's fine. It's great. But that's a lot. Thirteen hundred species documented. Documented. Uh, okay. Do the cannibalism? And is that like regular cannibalism or like? <laughs> Every once in a while. Oh, because um, I think with humans, it's like every once in a while, someone, yeah. someone will be into it. Yeah. Um, or, or uh, there are cultures. Yeah. I mean, it's just been documented. And I, I guess it's enough where it's like, yeah, they're into it. It's worth they, a mention. They, they do it. It's I worth see. a mention. So, yeah. I see. Uh, so, uh, quoting John Allen, who I think summed it up best, quote, we think 
anthropomorphizing here that cannibalism is terrible. No mm-hmm. one, not that no one should be cannibalistic, but in nature, red in tooth and claw is something that can be favored. So it seems to be a strategy that's likely to be common. End quote. I see. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, know. I know. I don't. I don't get it. But I can see that if you, <laughs> if that's what. Mm. I, there's no I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> well it's one thing we don't have to worry about right now yeah right yeah, now right now after the break <laughs> <laughs> we're moving on from eating each other to eating things rotting away good times that's right you won't believe what was found at the bottom of the arctic ocean and just how old it is oh no <laughs> stay tuned please do okay round two name something that's not boring Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jane Perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms, so when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And I hate to say it, folks, we're going somewhere cold. Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. Why? And we're kind of in the middle of the Arctic Ocean. No. Oh, and we're a few hundred feet below the sea ice. Stop <laughs> so- it. Why are you doing this to me? I'm just kidding. I'm fascinated. Tell me more. <laughs> it's not great for us by any means, but for one creature... Boy, howdy, it's the fucking place to be. Of course. Yeah, There's somewhere. always something yes. that's living somewhere. <laughs> There's stuff living everywhere. It blows my mind. It's this crazy. podcast has taught me there is something 
for everything. Yes. There's shit everywhere. It's wild. There's <laughs> fucking shit everywhere. Yeah. But let's get into it. Where are we exactly? Why we're on the seafloor. We're on the seafloor of uh, no other than the Langseth Ridge. Nailed it. Langseth Ridge, which runs along a now extinct underwater volcano. Oh, shit. And uh, at the depth of 1,600 to 2,000 feet below. Okay, is it really extinct? This one seems pretty extinct. Okay, because you say that a lot, (laughs) and then it blows up. Yes. Y'all. I know. (laughs) No volcano is extinct. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, we're we're pretty sure about this one. Okay. And you know, until it's not, but it's pretty quiet. <laughs> so there's a lot of evidence. We'll okay. get into it. We'll it's get quiet into for it. now. Yeah. I get yeah. it. A few more things about this place. Uh everyone. Picture Canada. You got it. Now point to its neighbor to the northeast. Uh say hi to Greenland. Hi. And now move your finger another two inches or so to the northeast, uh, one more time on this mental map. Uh and it's just water. Oh. It's just water. Uh, but 2,000 feet down is the ridge. The ridge. All right. That's right. The waters here are damn chilly, hovering just above freezing. Yeah. And once upon a time, when that volcano was active, if you can imagine chimneys, it had chimneys or thermal vents that warmed the surrounding area, providing heat, attracting animals, and that produced a kind of dynamic food chain. That is so cool. I can see it. Yeah. That is fascinating. So tons of stuff would live around mm-hmm. these little vents. Yep, exactly. Aww. Little communities. Little communities. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm breaking over over ocean vents. Wow. <laughs> yes. It's really cute. Awesome. Tell me more. So this volcano, though, she is no more. Oh. And life for many ended. But for one species... The party is still raging. Fuck yeah. That's right. Dr. Marissa, when I say sea sponge, <laughs> what comes to mind? Um, hmm. I think, is a sea cucumber a sea sponge? Uh, no, they're different. Okay, never mind. The cucumber uh, kind of moves around, looks like a cucumber sponge, sea sponge. Is it, um, would you say it's like an underwater living being that uh, looks like a sponge? Yes, yes. Is that kind That's of it? Exactly <laughs> it. That's awesome. A, exactly, exactly it. Picture a sponge and you've got yourself a pretty good idea of what these animals look like. Nailed it. But what I bet you didn't know is that there's over 5,000 or so known species of sea sponge is a sea sponge one of those things that's just been around forever so they've just kind of perfected life and organs and reproducing and yeah and just don't need anything anymore (laughs) they just evolved to the point of like yeah i know i'm jealous I'm jealous. They as just well. exist. It's so cool. That sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> so Wonderful. you took the words right out of my mouth, actually. Uh, no mouths, eyes, sponges. <laughs> sponges are basically filter feeders. Wonderful. Which means they're crucial to a process called nutrient recycling throughout our oceans. And these motherfuckers have been around a long time. Do you want to guess how long they've been around? Billions of years. Not, not billions, but you're close. How about millions? Yes. How about. Forty million. Uh, you can do. You can do more than that. Four hundred million. Oh, that's good. That's a great guess because they've been around for about six hundred million years. Hey, look who got it! <laughs> um, I also just want to say, filter feeders. That sounds like the best job mm. in the world. Just sitting around 
eating stuff that yeah. flies into your mouth. Yes. And then you recycle it into something else. Is that what's going on here? Yeah, you're lazy and a hero. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. I want that job. I want to be lazy and the best. <laughs> Teach me the way. I want to be a sea sponge. Be a sea yeah. Next life. Yes. Aspire. I aspire. Aspire. Yeah. Okay. Now, three of those 5,000 species call this dark, deep cold as fuck, nearly void of life ridge home. Now, Dr. Marissa, according to Mindy Weisberger of LiveScience.com, what did Teresa Morganti, a marine biologist at the Max Planck Institute for Marine Microbiology in Bremen, Germany, and a bunch of her colleagues, uh, what did they find in this seemingly barren place? I I mean, heroes, obviously, but I would love to, (laughs) I would love to talk more about it. Quote, researchers found Thousands of sponges covering an area measuring 5.8 square miles. The scientists used a camera and sensor network called the Ocean Floor Observation and Bathymetry Bathymetry System. Nailed it. Nailed it to capture video, still images, and other data from these sponge communities. (laughs) Stop it! Not only were there thousands of sponges clustered on the seamount peaks, many of them had grown quite large, reaching up to three feet in diameter. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. And many of the sponges were actively reproducing, showing substantial budding (laughs) amazing (laughs) substantial (laughs) budding wow uh the scientists wrote in their study published on february 8th in the journal nature communications end quote so they're fucking thriving yes they are reproducing Mm -hmm. they're big massive more reasons to want to be them (laughs) i just they're just confidently getting huge Mm -hmm. And, and like doubling themselves. Yeah. I don't know how that process works. I can imagine if they've been around for this long, it's very easy. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. don't need anyone. That's right. They're their own woman. They're their own women. <laughs> and they are doing whatever they want. Amazing. They're yes. so confident. <laughs> They're so confident. I want to be them. I want to be a sea sponge. That's right, my friends. They uh, These researchers found a literal sea excuse me, a literal sea of sea sponges in a place where sciencenews.org says, quote, there are virtually no currents to provide food and the sea ice covers the water year round, end quote. Wow. Yeah. So you may be thinking, all right, maybe did they travel there, like crawl? Yeah. Well, Teresa Morganti, the marine biologist, uh, noted that sponges, they're practically immobile. They do have these microscopic things that kind of look like toothpicks called okay. uh, spicules Ooh. that dig into the floor and slowly as fuck push their way around, right? Relatable. Yeah. But uh, after they use them, though, they fall out. So oh. judging by the size of these things and their numbers, Teresa was like, this party has been going on for a while. Yeah. And we need to find out how the hell these things are surviving here. Yeah. They're living a lifestyle unlike any other sea sponge. The best lifestyle. A lot of sitting. I'm into into it. It's like they can move, but they choose not to. (laughs) That's wonderful. What a life. So, my friends, when she completed her study, turns out, 
how they survived, all the questions. The answers are weirder than she even imagined. Dr. Marissa, please tell us, according to Richard Kimery of Science News, how and where did Teresa start the investigation? Let's let's get into it. it. All right, quote, in the new study, Morganti and colleagues turned their attention to the mattered to the to the matted layer underneath uh, no, I'm going to start this yeah. again. Okay. Um, in, quote, in the new study, Morganti and colleagues turned their attention to the matted layer underneath the sponge colony, a smorgasbord of discarded spicules and blackened fossilized life, including empty worm tubes and mollusk shells. Oh, I see where this is going. Um, <laughs> to see if this thick mat was a food source the team analyzed samples of the sponges the the mat material and the surrounding water the researchers also investigated the genetic makeup of the microbes that live within the sponge tissues and those in the sediment end quote so they're looking at the shit they're sitting on you got right? it mm-hmm. and they're looking at them you got it. And they're trying to figure out what are they eating. Exactly. And based on the title, I think I know it's <laughs> it's it's dead stuff. You got it. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. But before we get into the official results, <clears throat> wow, now I can't talk. Before we get into the official results, Dr. Marissa, would you like to see a few of these sponges and the yoga mat of material that they sit on? Yes. All right. Here Please, we go. Please, I can't wait to see my heroes. Please tell us what you see. I mean, it is it is what you think it is. <laughs> It is big kind of sponges. They're kind of round, but some of them aren't, and that's okay. And some of them are brown, and some of them are kind of whitish brown. Mm. And some of them are really big, and some of them are really small. And they're kind of sitting on the ground, which looks like the ground. Yeah, isn't that weird? It yeah. Looks, it looks like, it looks looks like, like a, the ground. It looks like dirt if it was outside on somebody's yard. Yeah. yeah, and and they're some of them are clustered together like they're friends, mm-hmm. and some of them are alone, and that's okay too. Yes, I applaud these things, and I and I'm worried about what I'm going to hear next. <laughs> yep. So, so what are they on, and what are they doing, and what are they doing to it? Drum yep. roll, please. Ah, <laughs> uh, my friends, carbon and nitrogen isotopes in the sponges matched those of the dead brown matter below them suggesting, you guessed it, the animals were consuming it. Amazing. That's right. They were eating the dead stuff. Yeah. Like you said, you nailed it. Eating the floor. That's right. That's right. So how does a filter feeder eat eat something that's large and dead? I don't know. That's right. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) That DNA test of the microbes living in the sponges came back and it showed a symbiotic relationship. Oh. They had the enzymes capable of dissolving the dead organic matter into food for the sponges. They act like a stomach for them, basically, to break down all that yummy brown stuff. Yeah. So they're taking dead bodies, eating them, Mm -hmm. and then recycling them. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Here's some... They're turning dead bodies into the into dirt sort of yeah yeah okay yeah i just actually, had to grasp this in my in like my fourth grade you're <laughs> language a, you're totally absolutely right uh that yoga mat of death 
is about six inches thick, by the way. You'll run out of death. Yes. <laughs> Providing, quote, almost five times the carbon that the sponges would need to survive from sciencenews.com. So, like you said, these sponges are basically like the vultures of the sea. But in a cool way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, hold on to your human butts. Okay. According to the radiocarbon dating of some of the adults, Dr. Marissa, do you want to see it? Just guess how old do you think these sponges are? Maybe like... Yeah. I indented, so that's why she doesn't I know. know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't... I, I haven't been able to say... I it's on say, the next page. I don't know how old... Like 100? That's a good one. A little... Yeah. Is that your final, final answer? Yes. All right. Uh, some of the adults were 300 years old. That is crazy. Oh my God. A living thing that's 300 years that's old. Right. Uh, individuals have been feeding off this pile of dead shit for 300 years. Wow. So I bet you're thinking, hold on a minute. That volcano went extinct a, like a while ago. Yeah. How old is that six-inch mat of dead crap? Yeah. All right, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, just how old are their leftovers? Gross. <laughs> I would love to. All right. From sciencenews.org, uh, the sciencenews.org article, Deep Sea Arctic Sponges Feed on Fossilized Organisms to Survive. Uh, quote, the dead ecosystem below the sponges is around 2,000 to 3,000 years old, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I added the baby, obviously. Uh, it was once a thriving community of animals that lived in the nutrient-rich conditions created when the volcanoes were last active, the researchers suggest. End quote. So basically, hmm. all of these cute little sea animals That's right. were living in this place. Mm-hmm. And then the volcano stopped blowing this cozy air. And then they all died. Yes. And turned into a big graveyard. And then these sponges started eating their bodies. Sure did. Not disturbing at all. Yeah. Totally So it's like if, yeah, exactly. It's like (laughs) if you ate your friends and family. And and you're doing great. And you're doing great. (laughs) And and, and you're helping the, the planet. Yeah. I mean... In the long run, yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> so, totally chill. Uh, so as you can imagine, this party has a buffet that's not running out anytime soon. No. Not only is there a lot of it, but, quote, because these are big individuals living in the central Arctic where the temperature is low, their metabolism is very low in general, oh. Teresa explained to LiveScience.com. They aren't consuming this food source very fast, so I think they have plenty of food here. Okay. End quote. Good. Yeah. So they're there I'm for glad. the long haul. 300 years, man. It's a long time. It's a long fucking time. It's a lot of meat. So the party won't stop, right? I mean, what uninvited son of a bitch could possibly ruin this party? Uh, if you said humans, you're right. I was. <laughs> yes. I was thinking humans. I didn't want to say it out loud. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's us. The researchers noted uh, climate change could melt that protective layer of sea ice. That's... That's oh, yeah. right. Causing, causing more nutrient particles to drift from the sea surface to the floor below. And if food becomes more plentiful, other marine species may move in and disrupt the sponge's habitat. Oh, but, no. I know. This is what I think, though. Okay. Maybe, maybe it won't be that, that bad because these things have been around for 600 million years. And I think they know how to party with other species. I think you're right. Yeah. 
And I think they know how to clean up a party. That's right. As well. They're just waiting for the next party. Yes. They're totally fine. I believe, if I believe in anything, and I don't really believe in much, I believe in these sea sponges. Yeah, I think they're, I think they got it. The ultimate party animal is a sea sponge. Yeah, I think they're going to be here long after we've (laughs) eaten each other. That's right. Long after. So long. All right. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Rating, subscribing, telling your friends about sea sponges who will be here forever. And yep. uh, sea stars, fucking cannibals. Cannibals. Monsters. Jesus Christ. Horrifying. Just, yeah. Y'all. <laughs> and please, stay interesting. Please do.